0: You're listening to a presentation of The Rising, a community of faith designed to see people far from God raise a true life. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. Hey, uh, how many of y'all got Netflix? Anybody? Cool. Can I borrow a DVD? No, I'm just joking. Uh, no, my, my wife and I, we actually have Netflix too. We have the streaming version of Netflix though. And uh, so, so we don't get new movies through that. We use Redbox for new movies. But uh, the streaming version of Netflix, how many of y'all got that? Y'all got streaming Netflix? See, that's good. Like, you know, if you get that, that's pretty good. Um, it's good if you wanna watch TV shows. Like, uh, uh, probably a few months ago, my wife and I got hooked on Breaking Bad. Uh, we had never seen it before, and we watched it, and we were hooked. And so, for like a month of our life, we just binge watched Breaking Bad. And if you've never seen it, you should. And so, streaming Netflix is good for TV shows. It's also good if you want to watch old movies or B-rated movies that nobody's ever heard of and nobody even wants to watch. You, that's good. But but you also know if you have streaming Netflix, that is good if you have a child, right? Like our two-year-old daughter, she has her very own channel on Netflix. I know she's important. She's coming up in the world, right? But her, her channel on Netflix is all like cartoons and kids stuff, things like Barney and Curious George. And, and recently she's been watching Puss in Boots. Uh, she just likes that cat, I don't know why. But if you see our daughter and you ask her to make the face Puss in Boots makes, he, uh, her eyes will get real big and she'll make this face like this. I know, just adorable cuteness oozes out every time. And, um, and she's just amazing. But a couple months ago we were watching her channel and. Uh, I discovered The Gruffalo. How many of y'all know about The Gruffalo? Some of y'all, y'all got kids, yeah. See, and, when, and when Amaya wants to watch, and, and, and The Gruffalo is this film that's based off of a book of the same name, but when Amaya wants to watch The Gruffalo, she says, I wanna watch The Gruffler. That's what she calls him, The Gruffler. Again, adorable cuteness. And look, if you ever want a dose of cuteness in your life, you can rent our child for a couple hours on a Friday night while we go out on a date. We will let you. She will just ooze cuteness into your life. But, um, but I was watching The Gruffalo with her, and uh, I actually liked it. Uh, some of those kid stuff, I, like, I don't really like. I'm like, eh, oh, I'll just watch it with you. But I liked The Gruffalo. The, the, the concept of the story is this, is that there's this mouse Uh, that is on his way to an acorn tree to get some acorns. But on his journey, he encounters various predators, uh, a fox, an owl, and a snake, and they all wanna eat him. But the mouse saves himself by saying, listen, you don't wanna eat me because I'm on my way to meet a gruffalo. And this is a made-up monster, it doesn't even exist. But he says, I'm on my way to meet a gruffalo. And the gruffalo likes to eat foxes, owls and snakes, and so the fox, owl, and snake become afraid, and they leave the mouse alone. Anyway, the mouse eventually gets to the acorn tree, and when he gets to the acorn tree, standing before him is a real, live gruffalo. Like, this figment of his imagination is right there staring at him, and now the mouse is terrified, and the gruffalo wants to eat the mouse. Well, the mouse doesn't really know what to do, because he can't make up a more gruesome or fearsome monster than the gruffalo. And so before he's about to get eaten, he says, wait, 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 you don't want to eat me because I am the most feared animal in all the woods. Well, the gruffalo doesn't believe him. And the mouse says, no, really, just follow me around and I'll show you. And so the gruffalo starts to follow this mouse around. Well, the mouse comes to the snake, the owl, and the fox. And when the snake, the owl, and the fox see the mouse, the gruffalo is in tow. And so they see, oh, Here's this fearsome creature that is going to eat me and they're afraid of the gruffalo. Well the gruffalo doesn't know that. The gruffalo actually thinks that they're afraid of the mouse. And so because of that the gruffalo becomes afraid of the mouse. That's his perception of the mouse. Well then there's a second film. Again, if you got streaming Netflix, you should go watch it. It's called it's called The Gruffalo's Child. And this starts off uh, with the Gruffalo's child, his little daughter, about to go into the woods. But before she can go into the woods, she gets snatched up by her dad, the Gruffalo. And this is the scene that takes place. Take a look. The Gruffalo said that no Gruffalo should ever set foot in the deep, dark wood. Why not? Why not? Because if you do, The big, bad mouse will be after you. I met him once, said the Gruffalo. I met him a long, long time ago. And so he... He snatches her from the woods and says, the big bad mouse will be after you. And then she asks later, well, tell me about this big bad mouse. And the Gruffalo gives a description of the mouse. And then later we see his child recalling the description verbatim and she draws this picture of this big bad mouse. Here, why don't you take a look? The big bad mouse is terribly strong. And his scaly tail is terribly long. His eyes are like pools of terrible fire. And his terrible whiskers are tougher than wire. (laughs) The big bad man. And so there is this fantastic image of the mouse that is portrayed, that he's this big, bad mouse. This is the perception. But the reality is this is the mouse. Like... He's nothing, right? He's nothing at all. And so there's a reality about who the mouse really is, and then there's the perception. And this is one of the themes throughout the Gruffalo, is this theme of perception versus reality. There's how the mouse really is, and then there's the perception of how he is. See, there's a reality, and then there's a way that we perceive the reality. You and I, we all face the exact same reality, but the difference is our perception, Today we're continuing the series called Introducing You to You. And this is a series that's based on the concept that if I were to introduce you to you, if I were to introduce you to your future you, to who you'll be five years from now, what would you think about that person? Would you be excited to meet your future you or would you be disappointed to meet that person? And, and, And what we said last week is that we live in a reaping and sowing world. That whatever it is we plant, That's what we're going to grow. And so whatever we do now will determine who we wanna become in the future or who we're going to become in the future. And what we said was that what we need to do is we need to begin with the end in mind. We need to catch a vision for where we wanna be five years from now. Once we catch that vision, then we say, what is it gonna take me to get there? Well, then I'm gonna start doing those things now to take us to that place then. and so. I think this is a really life-changing and intriguing concept, that if you grab a hold of this, that if you have a vision for who you wanna become one day, well then start doing those things now because the truth is, your destiny is in your hands. Your future is up to you. Motivational speaker Ralph Marston said, what I do today can improve all my tomorrows. What I do today can improve all my tomorrows. And so today, what I wanna do is I just want to take a moment to introduce you to you. Not not your future you, I did that last week, but instead today, I want to introduce you to who you really are, the real you. Because you know, there's there's a perception that we have of ourselves, right? There's a perception of who we are, and then there's who we really are. I I wonder if I were to introduce you to the real you, would you even recognize that person? Because I think so often we live in the perception of who we are that we forget who we really are. This is why it's helpful when describing yourself or trying to get a gauge of who you are. Um, you, You can ask somebody, hey, tell me about you, and then they'll give you all these fantastical ideas about who they are, but then if you really wanna know who they are, you go to their spouse, you go to their kids, you go to their friends, you say, hey, tell me about this person, because sometimes we live so much in the perception of who we are, the me that I want you to see, that I forget who I really am. And so today I wanna introduce you to the real you, for you to come face to face with who you really are, because here's the thing, you're gonna become somebody one day, but the person you're gonna be five years from now is not based on the perception that you have of yourself. The person you're gonna become five years from now is based on who you really are today. And so we need to come to grips with that and grasp, who are we today so that we can become who we wanna be one day? Really, it's, it's the difference between a profile picture and, and when I get tagged in a picture, right? <laughs> Like, with a profile picture, this is the me that I want you to see, right? This is is the the thing I put on Facebook where the lighting is right, the angles are good, everything is good. This is my perception. But then there's the real me. And the real me (laughs) is me when nobody's looking, when I don't think anybody's looking or taking a picture. This is the real me. And, and see, the thing is, like, I love that you can actually de-tag yourself on Facebook, right? <laughs> and, it's, and it's so much so that if you don't like the picture of you on Facebook, you can actually have it removed from Facebook. But this is the real you. And so let's go ahead and let's take that down. Um, yeah, that's what we want right there is the profile picture. See, this is the perception, who I want you to see. We all have a perception and a reality, and again, we're gonna be somebody someday, but that person is based not on the perception that we have of ourselves, but on who we really are, and so we need to come face to face with that person and begin planting seeds in that person's life, start doing things now in, in the real us, our, our life, so that we can become who we wanna be. And, and, and one of the things that we talk about here is that we have a value that authenticity is essential. My, my hope is that every single time that you come into this church, every time that you interact with somebody uh, at work or in your family, that you would be the real you, that you wouldn't wear a mask. Because authenticity is essential. As long as you continue to live in the perceived you, you'll never become the person that God has called you to be. God can't bless a perception. You should tweet that. God can't bless a perception, but he'll bless who you really are, so we wanna come face to face with that person. And you know, this isn't just true with how we view ourselves; It's also true with how we view the world, right? Like, what is our perception of the world? Because there's a reality facing us in the world, and the question is, how do we perceive it? How do we view life? How do we view the people in our life? How do we view the things that happen to us? Because our perception of reality is the vehicle that will get us where we wanna go. See, I, I, I mentioned before that we all face the same reality but the difference is our perception. Two people can face the exact same reality and end up in two different places in life all based on their perception. In, in psychology, we talk about it like this. Uh, do you have an external locus of control or an internal locus? Of control. And when I say locus, I'm not saying locust like the bug, but locus L O C U S. Do you have an external locus of control or internal locus of control? And this is all about how you view reality. How do you view the world? Somebody who has an external locus of control views the world that that life happens to me. That there are things outside of my control that happen to me and I am a product of the things that have happened to me, and so I can't because they didn't, and I wanted to, but they wouldn't, and I've been unemployed for so long because this happened, and, and, and I wish I was with somebody, but I'm not with somebody because of this, and, and, and so there's all these things outside that direct and dictate my life. That's an external locus of control. People who view the world this way, who have this perception of reality, um, can can tend to bleed into having a victim mentality, that I'm a victim of my circumstances. These things have happened to me, and so I have no choice but to be this way. This is who I am. But people who have an internal locus of control view the world much differently. Rather than life happens to me, they would say I happen to life that yes there are things that happen around me that are outside of my control but I choose how I respond to them. Yes, this did happen but I chose my outlook on it. A person who has an internal locus of control says that I happen to life. So if someone with an external locus of control they they would say, "Well, she made me mad." Somebody with an internal locus of control would say, "I chose to get mad." Somebody with an external locus of control reacts to situations. Someone with an internal locus of control responds to situations. And studies have shown that people who have an internal locus of control, life hap- or I happen to life, that those people actually live a healthier, better life than people with an external locus of control. Life happens to me because they just become victims. And so I wonder for you, through which lens do you view the world? What's your perception? Because again, we all face the same reality. The question is, how do we perceive it? Perhaps you've heard this phrase, uh, that perception is reality. Perception is reality. And so it doesn't matter what you intended to do, it doesn't matter what you hoped to do or what you wanted to do, I perceived it this way, and because I perceived it this way, well then that's reality. But there's a problem with this, because the truth is, I might perceive it wrong. And if I have a false perception, then my false perception leads to a false reality. See, the the truth is this, that reality is reality, right? Not perception, perception is not reality. Maybe a better way to say it is this, that your perception becomes your reality. Your perception becomes your reality. And so, when you walk by me and Uh, you don't smile at me, I could perceive that wrong and say, oh, well, they don't like me. And then that can lead to a a certain path, right? So so if somebody walks past you and they don't smile at you, it could lead to a path where you say, well, I knew it, they never liked me anyway. And And then that could lead to a quarrel, to a fight, to an argument. It can lead to a broken relationship. Why? Because you perceive that they didn't like you when they didn't smile at you when they walked past you. But the reality might actually be that they just had something on their mind. And so when they walk past you, they they didn't even think to smile. It's not that they don't like you. They just didn't even think to smile. But because you perceived it wrong, it led to a false reality, which led you in a different direction. One of the values that we have here as a church is believe the best. Believe the best. This means that we want to believe the best in people and in situations. We want to believe the best in everything. And so... When you don't smile at me, I could perceive it and assume the worst. I could say, well, they didn't smile at me, they don't like me, and now they wanna slash my tires. I could go there with that, right? That's up to me, that's a perception. Or I could believe the best in that, and I could just say, maybe they didn't smile at me because they had something going on in their life. Maybe they're going through something rough. Or maybe it's because this is the eighth time they've seen me today, and they smiled the past seven times, and maybe they're all smiled out. Maybe that's the reality. It's not necessarily that you don't like me, but, but our perception becomes our reality. And so as a church, we just want to believe the best. Maybe, maybe the reason your marriage is hanging by a thread, maybe the reason why that's happening is because the two of you assume the worst in one another. So you have a perception about the reality facing you, and I wanna encourage you today that maybe your marriage is like it is because you assume the worst. I wanna encourage you to believe the best to know that you're on the same team, that you're in this together. The reason why you have drama with your friends is because you're assuming the worst. You have a false perception. But instead, what would happen if amongst your friend circle, you all believe the best in one another? How much drama would be cut out from it? Maybe the reason things aren't going the way that you want them to go at work is because you assume the worst. You're working in a culture where people assume the worst. They have a bad perception about the reality in front of them. What would happen if you began to believe the best At work, What would happen if the culture at your work changed where people started to believe the best? See, we all face the same reality. The difference is our perception. And so I wanna show you where we see this in scripture where two different people face the exact same reality, but they perceived it two very different ways. And as a result of that, it led to two very different outcomes. So if you have a Bible, would you open up to 1 Samuel chapter 14? Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 14. And if you don't own a Bible, you can actually download one for free on your phone. If you go to the App Store and you type in Bible, the first option that comes up, probably by Life Church, is a really great option. Um, so go ahead and download that Bible, and you have a Bible with you all the time. But uh, 1 Samuel. Chapter 14 is what we're going to read now. Before we read it, I want to give you the scenario of what's happening. Uh, king Saul is the first king of the nation of Israel, and Israel is at war with the Philistines. Okay, the Philistines have utterly crushed Israel. Israel is left with only 600 people and their entire army. That's it, and they only have two swords. King Saul has one of the swords, and his son Jonathan has the other sword. So this is the reality facing Israel. They're outnumbered, they're outgunned, 600 people against a vast army, two swords against, everybody has a sword, right? So this is the reality. Now, Saul has a perception of this reality. When Saul perceives what's facing him, he thinks, this is bleak, it's grim, we're doomed, we're done. And so what Saul does is he does nothing because for Saul to do something would mean utter destruction, we're done. And I think Saul's perception of this reality that they're doomed is an accurate perception. 600 people, two swords against an entire nation. It's an accurate perception if you don't factor in God. Jonathan, Saul's son, however, has a different perception. Because Jonathan, what we'll see later, is that Jonathan factors in God to this reality. They're both facing the exact same reality, but Jonathan has a different perception. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse one. It says, one day, Jonathan, son of Saul, came to his young armor bearer. Come, let's go over to the Philistine outposts on the other side. But he did not tell his father. So Jonathan has this perception of this reality. There's 600 of us, we got two swords, they outnumber us, they outgun us, but come on, let's go pick a fight with the Philistines. right? Because what we'll see later is Jonathan factors in God to this equation. And so notice though, that it says that he went to his armor bearer and said, come on, let's go pick a fight. And then it said, but he did not tell his father. Because don't you know that sometimes you know who not to tell about what you're trying to do? Like, like there are some people you just don't tell. Because if you told them, you know exactly what would happen. They try to project their perception onto you, right? See, see Jonathan knows that his dad Saul already has a perception, and so if Jonathan goes to Saul and says, hey, I'm about to go fight the Philistines, Saul is gonna try and project his perception onto Jonathan, gonna try and talk him out of it, gonna try and keep him down. And so Jonathan's like, I'm not even gonna say anything. Because you know when that happens, you know what you just wanna say, right? You, you, you wanna say, you know what? Just never mind. Like, like I was trying to tell you something, but you know what, just never mind. Here, I want you to say this, let's practice this. Say, you know what? Just never mind. Now, now put it all together like it's all one word. You know what? Just never mind. Come on, come on. Don't leave me up here by myself. Let's try it one more time. You know what? Just never mind. Yeah, that's what you want to say to somebody, right? And so you say, hey, listen, um, I, 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 I'm trying to get out of debt. I'm trying to do some things differently. And they're like, oh, okay, I see. Oh, you're trying to get out of debt. Oh, paying, paying off stuff, getting a mortgage or, or, or making a budget and all that stuff. And you're real extreme about it. That's why you can't go out to eat with us. Okay, listen, listen, I don't understand why you're trying to get out of debt because look, everybody has debt. Everybody is going to have a car payment. Just relax and take life easy and, and enjoy life, right? You, you try to share what you're doing in your life. You try to Tell somebody this and you want them to celebrate with you, but then they just try to project their perception on you. And you know what you want to say? You know what? Just never mind. And, and you got to do the hand thing. So you know what? Just never mind. Just, just don't even worry about it. Oh, I see. Oh, you're trying to get healthy. Oh, yeah. I saw you join the gym posting them pictures on there. Uh-huh. And then, and then I noticed you're, you're on a diet. Oh, it, like, like the last diet you were on, right? Listen, you don't need to go on a diet. All you got to do is just eat whatever you want in moderation and you'll be all right. You know what you just want to say. You, you know what? Just never mind. Like, 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 I tried to tell you, I thought you'd celebrate, but never mind. Oh, okay, you're going to church now. Oh, yeah, you're going to get your life straight. You need a little bit of Jesus magic in your life. Okay. You know, I mean, some people need that, but I don't. I mean, I got this. I'm good. You just want to say, you know what, just never mind. Just never mind. Like, I thought you would celebrate what God is doing in my life, but you know what, just never mind. Jonathan doesn't tell his dad because he knows he's going to try and project his perception on him. I'm not talking about not listening to people when they try and give you wisdom, I'm talking about when people try to project their perception on you and try to bring you down because sometimes people can't take it when you start growing, right? Like you want to improve your life, you want to do something great in your life and they just want to pull you back into the pit that they're in and when that happens, you know what you need to say? You know what, just never mind. I'm gonna just move right on. mad y'all didn't play along with me either, it's all right. But no, so it says he didn't even tell his father. Verse two, look, so so he tells his armor bearer, they're gonna fight. Verse two: Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Megron. With him were about six hundred men. Skip down to verse four. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. Skip down to verse six. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, "Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many." or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I am with you, heart and soul. Now, Jonathan and Saul are facing the same reality. There's 600 men in the army, they only got two swords. They're outnumbered and they're outgunned. Again, Saul doesn't factor God into the equation, Jonathan does factor God into the equation. So he goes to his armor bearer and he says, hey, come on, let's go fight the Philistines, right? He sees the, the, the same reality. Things for Saul are like, it's, it's grim, it's bleak, it, it, it's whatever, it's certain destruction, okay? But then Jonathan sees the same thing. Hey, we got 600 men, we got two swords, but God. Y'all don't leave me up here. But God. They face the exact same reality, they have two different perceptions, and so you face those realities too in your life where things seem grim, things seem bleak, it seems hopeless, it's a reality. But what is your perception on that reality? Listen, our marriage is falling apart. We're losing patience with one another. We snipe back and forth. We're on the verge of sleeping in two different rooms. What's your perception on that reality? You could have a perception where you say, it's over, it's hopeless, it's done, let's just sign the papers and get it over with. Or you can face that same reality. Our marriage is falling apart. We're losing patience with one another. We snipe back and forth at one another. We're on the verge of sleeping in two separate rooms, but God, y'all leaving me up here all by myself, but God, listen, God can come in this and we can we can heal some things we can make some things right we can we can get back on track it's all about your perception you face the exact same reality but it's your perception you can say listen i don't i don't know i mean things are tight this month, and I don't know how we're gonna pay all the bills, and we still gotta repair the car, and I don't know where we're gonna get money. For groceries, you can face that reality, and you can say, okay, well, I need to go to the to the payday loan place and get a loan, or I need to go file bankruptcy, or whatever it is. You can face that reality with that per- perception, or you can face that same reality. Things are tight this month. I don't know how we're gonna pay all the bills. We still gotta repair the car. I don't know where we're gonna get money for groceries but God, right, no, no, (laughs) I wish I had a church that was alive, but but God, because he can come through, listen, 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 I am stressed out. I'm worried about the next exam, the next test, the next thing that's coming up in school. And on top of that, I got a job and I got to take care of my family and I don't know what's gonna happen. Maybe I'll just quit school. Maybe I'll just quit the job. Maybe I'll just leave my family. You can look at it that way or you could say, I'm stressed out. I got an exam. I got a test. This thing is coming up in school and I got a job. Plus, I got to take care of my family, but God... That's how Jonathan, yeah, because this is how Jonathan looks at it. But God, he knows that God can deliver him. He knows that God can come through. And so he goes, based on that perception, I know that God can do this. Based on that perception, he goes to his armor bearer and he says, come on, let's go pick a fight. And so they go to pick a fight. But, but notice what Jonathan says to his armor bearer. He says, it's in verse, uh, here it is, verse, verse six. Jonathan said to his younger armor bearer, Come, let's go go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised fellows. We're gonna pick a fight. Watch this. Perhaps. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Because I know, but God, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or few. But, But he says, perhaps. Perhaps. So like, Jonathan knows that God can, but he might not. He knows that he can, but he might not. And just because God might not, just because you have a different perception on your marriage, hey, we're going to fix this and it doesn't happen. We're going to trust God with our finances anyway and it doesn't happen. You stay in school and work hard and take care of your family and it doesn't happen, he might not. But Jonathan knows that he can. And he doesn't look for guarantees. He doesn't say, God, can you just show me a way and and let me know for sure before I act? No, he knows that God can, and because God can, he acts on it. And notice that his armor bearer says, hey, I'm with you, heart and soul, because the armor bearer knows, too, that God can. God can deliver in this situation. This is the reality facing us, but the perception is that God can do something. God can show up. God can, can make a way in this situation. But he might not. And so the question, and this is where faith comes in, is even though God might not, even though he might not, will you still act knowing that he can? Knowing that God can, will you still act even if he doesn't? See, if I'm the armor bearer and I hear Jonathan talking like this and he says, perhaps God will save us, I'm gonna say, hold on, wait, you said perhaps. Jonathan, hold on, it sounded like you just said perhaps, listen, I'm, I'm all with you and all that, but I need a little more of a guarantee before I go and fight the Philistines because I don't know about this whole perhaps thing. But don't you know that Jonathan couldn't give his armor bearer a guarantee? Because life doesn't offer guarantees. The only thing guaranteed in life are death and taxes. You already knew that. So, so there are no guarantees, but Jonathan just knows that God can. And because he knows God can, he acts on it. And so he says to his armor bearer, his armor bearer says, all right, come on, let's go fight. And then verse eight, or yeah, verse eight, Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them and let them see us. Now if I'm Jonathan's armor bearer, I'm, I'm thinking, you done lost your mind. Listen, I'm already with you. I know God can, but he might not because you said perhaps. Hey, I'm still with you in that So what's the plan? So here it is. Jonathan has a perception of the reality facing him. Based on that, he comes up with a plan. Here's his plan. Come on, let's go over to them and let them see us. If I'm I'm Jonathan's armor bearer, I'm gonna say, Jonathan, look, I already said I'm with you heart and soul, and so I'm already committed, and maybe I spoke too soon. But Jonathan, um... They don't know we're coming. (laughs) And so I think we should use surprise to sneak up on them. Let's use the art of stealth to go and attack them. But you just wanna go and say, hey guys, here we are. No, no, Jonathan, this is stupid. And really, it's not that great of a plan. But he says, we'll go over, we'll cross over toward them and let them see us. Verse nine, if they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. And now if I'm Jonathan's armor bearer, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what you needed to tell me first, that there's a sign that God's gonna give them into our hands. And so if they say, hey, come up to us, then we're gonna take them out, right? Jonathan's like, yeah, uh-huh. How do you know that? How, how do you, like, God told you that? Like, he showed up and he said, if they call you, then, then you're gonna take them out. You know that, right, because God told you? And Jonathan's like, uh-uh. No, God didn't tell me that. I just made that up. He did, he did. Like, it doesn't say that God told him that. Like, Jonathan just made that mess up. He's like, we're gonna go fight, and and if they tell him, and then then if I'm his armor bearer, I'm like, okay, well, hold on, wait. But what if they tell us to stay where we are? Well, then we're we're gonna die. Uh, Hold on, wait, wait, wait. We're gonna show ourselves to them, and if they tell us to come to them, we're gonna beat them, but you don't know that. You just made that up. God never confirmed that with you, and then if they just tell us to stay where we are, then we're gonna die, Uh uh-huh. Jonathan, I love your faith and all, um, but your plan is horrible, right? And, 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 And sometimes you need to know this, that just because God can doesn't mean that he will, but sometimes God can and he wants to, but he won't because you got a stupid plan, right? Don't go start a baking business if you don't know how to bake. I, I know you like those Toll House cookies, but don't go into business just because of that, right? Sometimes we got stupid plans, and God wants to, but he won't because of our plan. But God overcomes in this plan. This way, we see just how great God is. Verse 11, so both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they are hiding in. Verse 12, the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor-bearer, come up and let us teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Again, no confirmation. God never promised that. Jonathan sees it. He's like, Awesome, we're going to go. And he thinks they're going to win, but there's no confirmation, there's no guarantee. Verse 13 Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet. I don't know what else he would have used. With his armor bearer right behind him, the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre, uh, half an acre. Verse 15. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties. And the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Now, notice that it says that Jonathan climbed up the cliff using his hands. And his feet. I always wondered, why did the writer include that detail? Again, what else was he going to use? But I think the reason why the writer said Jonathan used his hands and his feet to climb up the cliff is because he wanted to let us know that it took work. See, God didn't float him up to the top of the cliff. God wasn't the wind beneath his wings. But he had to use his hands and his feet to climb up. Jonathan has a different perception of the reality facing him. This different perception leads him to come up with a plan, but now he has to act on that plan, and it takes work to make that plan happen. It takes work to make that plan happen. There's a vision of who you're gonna be five years from now. That's where you wanna be, but in order to get there, it's gonna take work to make it happen, right? It it, it means that you might have to lift some weights. It's gonna take work. It means that you have to make a budget. It's gonna take work. It means that you gotta reprioritize some things. It's gonna take work. It means that you're gonna have to reschedule some things. It's gonna take work. And I feel like I'm preaching better than you're responding. It means that you're gonna have to have some real conversations with somebody in your life because it's gonna take work. It's not just gonna happen to you, but it's going to take work. So it's great that you got a different perception. It's awesome that you got a plan. But if you're gonna be there one day, then it's gonna take work now. Because whatever it is we plant, that's what we grow. So we gotta do some work, planting some things in our life. And here's the thing that really got me excited as I was studying through this. And I was, I was at my desk, and I was, I was looking over this, and I was writing this down, and I said, oh man, when I read this and I share this with the people at the Rising, they are gonna go nuts. It is gonna be amazing, it's awesome. Here it is, verse 15, look, look, look. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. It was a panic sent by God. Here's, here's, here's why I thought, oh man, they're gonna love this because look, Jonathan sees the same reality as Saul, okay? He has a different perception of that reality. He says, yes, things don't look that great, but God. And then he moves forward in that perception. He comes up with an action plan, and then he does some work. He climbs up. When he gets up there, they kill 20 Philistines and a half an acre. See, he does some work, and Jonathan does what only he can do. Notice, God doesn't come into any of this until the very end. It isn't until Jonathan looks at this reality, has a different perception, factors God into it, comes up with a plan, and does what only he can do that God comes through and does what only God can do. And that was it, right? That, that Jonathan had to do what only he could do before God came in to do what only he could do. He could do. It could very well be that you want to be somewhere five years from now, but that won't happen until you change your perception, until you come face-to-face with who you really are, until you develop an action plan on how you're going to get there, and then you start doing work to get there. As you do work and you do what only you can do, that's when God meets you in the midst and does what only he can do. It may very well be that God wants to bless you, but it isn't until you say, okay, I'm taking that first step of faith and I'm bringing the tithe for the first time. I'm gonna do work. I'm gonna do what only I can do. That God says, okay, now I can trust you because the rest is gonna be blessed. Now you'll see a financial blessing in your life. And listen, I have been amazed. We just finished a series called 90%. I have been amazed at hearing uh, stories of people who started tithing for the first time. And I've experienced it in my own life, but it was amazing to me to hear other people share their stories. Uh, We've seen our giving go up as a result of that. We've seen people take ownership in this church as a result of that series. And so I wanna thank you for that. But I've heard stories of people saying things. That's a good thing. I've heard stories. Somebody said, look, I was afraid to tithe. I wasn't really sure what was gonna happen. And uh, so I just said, God, I gotta stop robbing from you. And they gave for the first time. And then the very next day, they got a call for a job that would give them a little more money. They're a freelancer. It would give them more money. They had more jobs lined up for that month than they ever had before. I heard of somebody. They said, we weren't really sure about giving. And then we finally gave. And then the next week, my husband got a $1,000 bonus. And listen, listen. Yeah, And that's amazing, it's blown me away And there's story after story after story I could line people up here and tell you about that But it's not necessarily that if you give a dollar God's going to give you ten That's not what I'm saying It's not that I gave money, where's my bonus? But it's amazing to me to see That when people did what only they could do God showed up and did what only He could do And He let them know, I'm with you Because you'll trust me, I'm with you. It it isn't until you say, you know what, I'm going to stop sitting in the seats. I'm going to stop sitting on the sideline, But I'm going to get involved. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start giving myself to other people. When you start living beyond yourselves, that God sees that and he says, you know what, because of that, now I'm going to come through and give you the breakthrough you've been looking for. Because you're serving others, because you're living uh, uh, beyond yourself I'm going to come in and do this when we do what only we can do God shows up and does what only he can do it it, it may be that God is saying I want you to bring this person to come to know me and so you invite that person and you invite that person and you're praying for that person and it may just be that you say I need to stop inviting people and I need to bring them that you say hey listen what's it going to take for me to bring you to church listen if you just come with me to church and I'll buy you lunch And it isn't until you do some hard work, you say, I'm going to bring you, that God says, okay, all those times you've been inviting them, all those times you've been praying for them, you've been putting in work. But now that you've been putting in work, I'm going to show up and do what only I can do because I've been preparing that person's heart to come. And as you've been inviting and praying, I've been working on their heart. And now that you've moved and said, okay, I'm going to bring you, I'll bribe you to bring you, because I know God has something he wants to do in your life, maybe God is saying it isn't until you move to do that, that I'm going to do something greater in their life, it's when we do what only we can do that God will show up and do what only he can do so I wonder for you what greater things does God want to do in your life how does he want to change you how does he want to bring you to become the person that you're envisioning five years from now Change your perception. Know that God can. Develop an action plan. Start working towards that. Because when you do what only you can do, that's when God shows up. And he'll do what only he can do. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray you are inspired and encouraged by today's message. For more information on The Rising, visit wearetherising.com.